Praise the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given us. Thank you for your love poured upon us today. Thank you for your abundant mercy. Thank you for your grace. Help us this day, Lord, as we come to your word to open our hearts and to allow it to guide, instruct, and teach us in the way that we should go. We love your word, Lord, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, as you know, we're going through the word, about the power of his word and the word of his power, seeing how his word is the answer to our, li- to our living. And wow, what an advantage. What a, what a tremendous treasure that we know that and that we're willing to embrace that. What a difference that makes in, in our lives. And, you know, some people have this idea that, well, like some people, some, some, sometimes unbelievers will say, well, you're just lucky or you're just specially favored or you were, uh, we had a lady in our church who used to say, you were born under a lucky star or, <laughs> you know, all those kind of things. But it's not that, is it? It's when we understand the word of God, when we embrace the word of God, when we start to walk in the word of God. We, we enjoy his favor. We live in, in his blessings. We, the, it, it brings wisdom. It brings understanding. And, and other people, you know, unbelievers looking on go, how do you get that? Even some Christians that don't, you know, get into the word and embrace it with their living sometimes don't understand. Well, how come you're living so favored? And how come you're, well, that's because we've embraced the word and, and, and we're allowing the word. It's not that God has favorites, but when we choose to walk in God's word, there's blessing and favor that follows, isn't there? And there's there's prosperity and there's care and there's there's all kinds of things that are um, the benefits. The the benefits. He daily loadeth us with benefits. He daily loadeth us with benefits, and they overflow and they overflow and they overflow, and so. What a wonderful treasure we have in God's word. Just all of that to say that. Hmm. All right, I'm going, I'm using a chronological Bible, so it meshes all of the Gospels together, and sometimes we jump around a little, and I know you understand that and bear with me, but this gives us the more of the sequence of um, the way Jesus' life went. So I'm in, Matthew, I'm in Mark 8 right here, 11, I'm sorry, Mark 8, 11. All right, try that again. Mark eight eleven. <laughs> then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I see to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. Wow. They, the Pharisees came out and began to do what? Dispute with him. Wow. Here they have God in flesh in their midst. This just goes to show you that even Jesus had this kind of response in his life. You know, we, we run into this too, right? People that just want to dispute. They just want to, they just want to prove to you that, uh, God isn't true and that he's not real and that the Bible is disputable. <laughs> And they could go on and on and on and on. And that's a choice, isn't it? You can, then the type, and they began to dispute with him. Well, you know, we have a choice too, don't we? 
We hear God's word. Suddenly we understand how it applies to our lives. We have a choice. We can start disputing and, and building our case and saying, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> and we can dispute God's word or we can accept it. And we know here, you know, for the, for the Pharisees, it was it was to their own destruction, right? It's to our own destruction when we hear God's word, understand God's word, and start to dispute it. You know, and so often that's the case when people hear God's word or when they're corrected or something comes to them that it's not been on their radar. Sometimes we do it ourselves. We don't like what we hear and we start to dispute it and say, oh, you know, but this, but, 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 but. Our part is to receive God's word and let it do in our hearts what it needs to do. And bow at his word, not dispute his word. And, um, you know, you can dispute God's word with an, a non-believer all day long. That's necessarily going to change their mind. And so we need to learn how to walk in wisdom and not just be, in the New Testament, later on in the New Testament tells us not to just be in dispute all the time with, over, over God's word. A lot of times people who want to dispute God's word, they're not interested in changing their mind, number one. They're out to change yours. And when a person is hungry for the truth, then there'll be a listening ear to try to, you know, trying to understand something, that's not a bad thing. Having a question, that's a good thing. Sometimes we do have questions about God's word. And it's not a, it's not wrong to bring up a question. It's not wrong to discuss discuss things so that we can understand them more fully, but to dispute it gets us in trouble, doesn't it? And so it's a sad commentary on them. And what does Jesus do? He sighs deeply in his spirit and says, oh, why does this generation, this is the son of God, seek a sign? Here he has been raising the dead, opening the ears of the deaf, Raising up the lame and <laughs> preaching, yeah, feeding people, you know, feeding 4,000, feeding 5,000, right? And, and now they come and say, so, show us a sign so we could be sure. Huh? And you will find this too with people who are, are just bent on disputing the word is that they're trying to twist God into some magical genie. For their own, for their own good. And it doesn't work like that. So I just wanted to, to, to mention that because disputing has to do with our words, doesn't it? And we need to be careful. Some people, some people, it's just a habit with them to dispute anything and everything. <laughs> that's not a good thing. That's not, that's not, that's not the way we're supposed to conduct ourselves. They're supposed to live peaceably. And be kind to one another and not tenderhearted, not disputing every single, every single thing that, that crosses our pathway. So we have to be careful because sometimes that's part of our nature or maybe it's part of the way we, you know, we were raised. We were raised up in an environment where there was a lot of dispute and, and it becomes ingrained in us. That's hard to fight against, isn't it? And we have to watch out because, um, Proverbs tells us that God hates someone who sows discord among brethren. 
And if we're constantly disputing and, and, and striving and stirring up strife, we can be damaging the body without, without even realizing that that's what we're doing because it's second nature to us. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to be careful that if that is kind of our nature, and I've heard people say, oh, yeah, you know, I like a good fight. Well, okay. <laughs> That's great, but let's be careful how we do, how, how we operate that in the body of Christ because that can be damaging, and so we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we're not just always... Um, disputing all the time, disputing. We once had someone in our home for a while who that was, that was where, the, that was where they came from. They came from a place of constant strife and dispute. And today you could say, oh, you know, I just, I'm just, I, I love dogs. And, and the person would say how much they hated dogs. And tomorrow you could say how much you hated the dog. And they would say how much they loved the dog. And it had nothing to do with the dog. <laughs> It was just, you said white, they said black. You said black, they said white. It was just, and it was constant. And in our home, we had, we would sit at the table and we would enjoy one another's company. And we weren't, we weren't disputing and fighting with one another all the time. And so my dad spoke to this person who we had graciously taken into our home, provided a, a place for for a while. And finally, he had to, ask her to find someplace else because it was causing strife in our in our home. It was causing dissension. And that is not a good thing. So we need to learn. We need to learn this because, again, like I said, sometimes it's just ingrained in us and we don't even realize it. So we have to ask the Lord to help us because it says to live at peace with all men. And here they are disputing with the Son of God. This is my point. They're disputing with the Son of God. So I guess we don't need to be surprised when people try to dispute with us. But, can, I mean, what uh, would you want to go down in history for, for disputing with Jesus? <laughs> uh, not me, personally, but um, wow, what a commentary on their existence. And so we learn, we want to learn from it. We want to learn from it, that we're not fighting against everything God tells us. You know, we could go through our lives like that fighting against everything God tells us, and then it's hard, right? Jesus said to um, Saul on the way to the Damascus, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. He was fighting with God, so to speak. He was he was fighting with the, with the gospel and not accepting it and going after Christians and so on and so forth. And so we need to learn to bow. And that takes a little bit of humility, but when we come to, when we come to Christ... He was meek and lowly of heart, right? And we are to be meek and lowly of heart. We find rest to our souls. We bow and we say, yes, Lord, I receive your word. I'll receive your word. You instruct me. You're the teacher. I'm not the authority. I'm not the final authority. You are. And when we understand that, then God can work with us and bring us into a place of health. Then in Matthew 16, and this is in a, this is in more than, actually, you could stay in Mark. It's also in Mark 8. Mark 8, 27 also. Jesus says to them, Who do men say that I am? Isn't this an interesting question? Jesus is asking them, giving them the opportunity to confess, to say, 
What are men saying that I am? And um, just an interesting question. Whether he was just after them to confess and see what, to have them confess that he was the Son of God, or he, uh, he knew, he knew what men were saying, so I guess, you know, we can't say he wa- wanted to hear what, what was going around, because I'm, uh, I'm sure he knew before they answered him. But he's pulling this answer out of his disciples to see what they'll say. So they answered, and they say, John the Baptist, some say you're J- John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, and others one of the prophets. So then what does he say to them? He says to them, but who do you say that I am? He cared about what they said. And Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. You are Jesus the Christ. Then he, 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 when, when Peter said that, he strictly warned him that they should tell no one about him. And that's interesting, too. He says, now, don't go around saying that. And I want to say this about this little snippet here is that, you know, sometimes all that God is looking for in our hearts is that we confess who he is in our lives. Sometimes the test is just to say, God, I know you're true. I know that Jesus Christ, your son, is my savior. Sometimes we're in a, between a rock and a hard place. We're in situations where we don't even know how to pray. But we can still stand and say, God, I know you're true. And I know you're my savior. And I love you. And I'm, that's not going to change. And sometimes when we're in a hard spot, that, that, that's what we can do. And that's enough. I want to tell you that. That's enough. Because God is looking for that in our lives. That when we're in the crunch, we don't bail out. We don't jump ship, so to speak. But we keep on believing that God is God and that he's for us and that he's with us. And we don't always like what's going on around us. We can't always figure it out. And sometimes we want the situation to change right away. And, you know, we, 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 we've got all of our, our good ideas about how God should fix this. And sometimes it doesn't happen at all the way that we think it should. Well, we, that's the test then is are we still going to say, God, I, 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 I trust you. I know you. I know you're God. I know you're good. I know you're my savior. And sometimes we need to, not sometimes, we need to say that out loud to remind ourselves that we are believers. We are believers. God, I am, I am yours. I believe in you. Even when it hurts. Even when it hurts. Even when we're going through hurtful, especially when we're going through hurtful times. Because that's our salvation. There's the only, he's the only one who can get us through the hardest places in life. He's the only one. He's the only one. Generally, people forsake us and, and um, all kinds of other things happen, but the Lord is always there with us. And so we need to confess what we can. Sometimes that's all we can say is, Lord, I know you are with me, or I know you are God. I still know you are God, and I know you're good God. And God, that counts with God for something is what I'm trying to say. That counts with him for something. And as we confess that, 
it allows him in to our situation. And if we keep on confessing the truth about what we do know, not about what we don't know, again, it allows him in, it allows him to be God. Come, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I don't know how, but I know that you are God and that you are good. And one of my favorite stories from the Apostle Paul's life is when they was being shipwrecked. And, no, that sounds crazy, but, um, you know, he had told the God, he had told the shipmaster before they left, you know, I don't think you should do this at this time of year. I think this is a bad idea. And the guy didn't listen to him. And he just set sail. Well, they were no sooner, you know, out for a day or two, and this, this demonic storm arose called the Eurocladin. Remember that? And they were being pitched and tossed and pitched and tossed. And remember, it wasn't a big steam, you know, steamliner ships like we have. It was, you know, a little sailing vessel. You know what I'm saying? They had to throw out all their cargo, which cost them, okay? Meanwhile, the ship is up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Think about that. Just think about that for a bit. You know, we read it so fast. It's just a few little verses in the Bible. They were That was going on for 14 days, for two full weeks. You do that for two days or one day, and you'd be finished with that already. They were all sick. It says that. It says they were all sick. And after all that time... <laughs> They come finally, they see a little land, a little, a little land, and they decide to try and head for shore and let the boat, you know, fall apart and every, everything. But, but meanwhile, Paul sleeps. Okay? He falls asleep. And in the night, he, the Lord comes and speaks to him and tells him, don't be afraid, Paul. I'm giving you all those in the boat. Everybody's going to be safe. And everybody's going to live, and you're going to make it to to land, and you're going to go and witness for me in Rome. So, in this pitching boat, the boat hasn't stopped. Okay, it hasn't stopped. In this tremendous storm, he wait when he wakes up, he tells the other poor, sick, (laughs) puking people on the boat. (laughs) He tells them, "Come on now, you got to eat a little something." Because the Lord spoke to me last night, whose I am and whom I serve. And he says, and I believe God that it shall be as it was told me. Huh? How does he get the courage, whatever you want to call it, where did he get that from? Wow. Nothing has changed yet. Boat's still pitching and tossing. Everybody's still sick. And he says, but sirs, I believe God that it shall be what he told me. Now everybody eat something and don't be afraid. Wow. Is that our response? And this is what, uh, this is what this makes me think of here, this story. When, when Jesus says, who do you believe that I am? In that worst of situations, Paul still believed that God was who he said he was and that he was going to be delivered. And that's what God is looking for in our hearts and lives too. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Is it possible? Yes, it's possible. And so may we learn and may we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to buy your grace. No matter what's going on in my life, I'm going to stand and I'm going to believe that you are my God and that you will somehow deliver me. And he will.
Then going on, we come to the transfiguration. And Jesus takes um, John and Peter and James and John, his brother. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain. I'm in Matthew 17 now. I'm sorry. Matthew 17, uh, verse 1. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, of course, the mouthpiece, Peter, right, always has a great idea and has to share it. Lord, it is good for us to be here. You wish, um, if you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Brilliant idea. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Wow. Now, think about it. God speaks from heaven. Could have said anything. Right? Could have said anything he wanted to. What does he say? He says, Hear. Listen to the words of my son, basically. Right? This is my beloved son. I love him. Listen to him. Listen to his words. It's the, it's the command. It's the call to our hearts every single day. Are you listening for God's voice? That's all that Jesus, and Jesus says this throughout the parables, throughout the, every, all his teaching, over and over and over again. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He says it in Revelation when he's talking to the churches. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Clearly, important thing for, for him was that we hear his word so that we could follow it and obey it and do it. And of course, the, the, the disciples um, are overwhelmed by, the, uh, by this, by this uh, transfiguration. And they're greatly afraid. But Jesus comes and he says, don't be afraid. And he told them not to tell anyone until the Son of Man was risen from the dead. Now, this is interesting, too, because we're going to come to another place where he tells someone, don't tell. You know, there's a, there's a time to tell, and there's a time not to tell. And though having the wisdom to know the difference, where does that come from? That comes from the Lord. And some people never get it and never have that peace and just have just blurt out everything all over the place, including the gospel, where at times it's offensive, it's casting pearls before swine, so to speak, it's, it's, it's not a good thing. And here Jesus tells them, don't tell. This is not something to be told until after. And it's, a, it's just a learning point. There's, there's a time to speak and there's a time not to. We're talking about words, about the power of the word. And sometimes we need to shut up. Sit down and shut up. (laughs) And it's time for that sometimes. And we need to learn and know when is the difference. And um, where can we get that that knowledge from? We get that from God and from walking with him and fine-tuning our hearts to his voice and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sometimes quiets our hearts and says, no, don't say that. Oh. Okay, we can learn if we follow, if we'll listen for, listen for his voice and follow the checks. We can learn when to keep quiet and when to speak. 
And so that's important. And another, um, again, this has nothing to do about the word so much, but I can't pass this story by without saying that this is a story, or this is an event in Jesus' life that shows us clearly that those who die are alive after they die. Because here on the Mount of Transfiguration is Moses and Elijah speaking with him. <laughs> it wasn't their ghost. It doesn't say it was their ghost. It was their spirit, of course. But the disciples saw them, knew who they were. And so they're living. They were living. And people often come to, you know, come to Christians, especially with that question, well, you know, they think uh, you're just sleeping somewhere after you die. No, they're, they're living. And Jesus corrected that when the Sadducees came to him and said about the woman who had seven husbands and in the resurrection, ha-ha, whose wife will she be? Jesus said, you're altogether mistaken, he said. I'm not the God of the dead. I'm the God of the living. Hallelujah. That's, that's good news. That's comfort. It's comforting to know that those who have passed on before us, they're alive. They're living. They're not dead. And that's, that's wonderful. That's good news. We see that also in the story Jesus told when he told about Lazarus, the poor man and the rich man. Remember that story? And he tells that there too. There's Abraham alive and well. <laughs> and so, Wow, what a wonderful answer that is, and what, how, that, how that comforts our hearts, especially when we're sorrowful. So there you have it. Okay, now going back over to Mark 9. Oh, that was after they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration also. He tells them not to tell, not to tell anyone. And then we jump over to Matthew 17. And when they had come to, this was after the, Transfiguration. When they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down him, to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, and he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And here we have an example of uh, purpose for prayer and fasting. When deliverance, when, when the deliverance is needed from demonic possession, it takes prayer and fasting for sure. And then also we have here, that Jesus says, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. And we need to speak sometimes to impossible situations. We need to speak to them. Not just, how do you say, when, when the Lord shows us what to do, then we need to speak. We need to speak to the mountain and we need to say, be moved, be cast out. And so we need to learn. We need to learn when to speak and when not to speak. 
And again, we're not God, but we know what his word, what his word shows us. And when he, when he shows us and leads us, the Holy Spirit, when our part is to believe, Jesus said partly because of your unbelief. So our part is to make sure that we believe, we believe all that he has said, that it is true and that we embrace it with our whole hearts. In Mark, Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And the man cried out and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And there's a good prayer for us to, to, to say out loud. Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. If there's unbelief in me, if there's unbelief in me, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And it shows us that God doesn't just leave us in the in the in the state that we're in he's always able to help us even when we don't have what it is we know we do need <laughs> and that's the wonderful part about the holy spirit and about our our god and our savior okay then after this jesus is, starts to tell them when they came down from the mount of transfiguration that it's time now he's going to start moving towards jerusalem and that he's going to be killed, and uh, that he's going to be betrayed. And the disciples, you know how, like, you, they're in denial. What else could you say? You don't want to hear it. You don't want to believe it. And so you just, you don't process it. You push it away. You don't even accept it as a possibility. And they thought that could never happen. Yes, because Messiah, of course, uh, was going to set up his kingdom and rule, and they were all going to be his emissaries. And that was still in their minds. Of course it was. And that was uh, in all of their minds. Um, in uh, Luke, Luke 9 and in 43, and they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at all the things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, and this is in verse 44, let these words sink down into your ears. Wow. That's what Jesus said. Let these words sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But what does it say next? This is in Luke 9, 44 and 45. But they did not understand the saying. Ooh, hit the nail on the head there. They did not understand the saying. And sometimes we don't understand the saying. Or we twist it to mean what we want it to mean. And so we need that Holy Spirit teacher inside of us, alongside of us, teaching us, helping us to understand. Just think about what Jesus said here. Let these words sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying. And it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. Now remember, a lot of times when they got Jesus in private, they would say, what did that mean? You told that story. What did that mean? Tell us. And he would tell them. And we have the explanation. Not this time. They didn't want to. You know how it is. When we don't want to hear something, we don't want to pursue that, that thought. We don't want to go there. They didn't want to go there. And so we need to be sure that we are always wanting to hear and understand, even when it's hurtful. 
Sometimes it is, right? The truth sometimes hurts a little, but the truth is what sets us free. When we walk in the truth, wow, what a good place that is. What a good place that is. Embrace the truth. That verse in Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth. It doesn't mean bribe. It means embrace it. Purchase it with your whole being, you know, with everything that's within you. Go after the truth. Buy the truth. Sell it not. Don't, don't let it go. Don't let it go. Make it your dearest possession. And that's talking about the truth of God's word. And so as we continue to walk with God, let's embrace the truth with all our hearts and not let go of it. We can let go of everything else, but not, not God's word. Everything else is going to pass away, but his word will endure forever. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word that is truth and that is a light to our path. Oh, we love you, Lord, and thank you that you never stop leading us and guiding us in paths of rightness. Help us to accept your truth at every turn of the road and believe you with all that is within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.